Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello. Sorry we're a bit late. Um, I had to go to a funeral yesterday. A lot of people would uh, say, oh, I'm sorry, or my condolences at that point, Annabelle, but don't, oh, don't, sorry. don't I, feel pressured. I, I, but I already had. It would have been a bit faux, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, no, I know, I know, but I just didn't want you to come across as, uh, as cold oh, to heartless. the listeners. Oh, yeah, heaven heartless. forbid. <laughs> can we do that again? Just say it one more time, so, so I can practice being yeah. humane. Yeah, yeah. Um, Sorry, a bit late. Uh, I, I had to go to a, a funeral yesterday. Sorry to hear about that. Thank you, thank you. It was in it was in my hometown of Macclesfield, which is a couple of hours away from London on the train. In other words, I had to spend four hours on a train yesterday. Mm-hmm. Which, as I think I've made clear on previous episodes, I, t- I tend to enjoy. Yeah, I like a train journey. Yeah, I, I like shortbread. That's lucky. See, it's the only place I would eat it, I think, apart from maybe <laughs> in like a B&B or a cheap hotel. Occasionally oh, yes. you'll get a shortbread. Yeah, yeah. Like possibly if I was in Scotland, I'd eat a lot of shortbread, but that's a hypothetical version. It certainly never happened to me when I've been at the Edinburgh Festival. I haven't felt the... But, but anyway, right. I really enjoy shortbread on a train. That, um, uh, that, that's a good context for it. Um, but what I also like... Is just having the opportunity to get some stuff done and not feel as if uh, you have to reply to an email or answer a phone call or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So I decided that I was going to avail myself of this uh, this chance to get some work done. And for me, because I'm a real businessman, that involves taking with me a, a, a laptop, mm-hmm. a laptop charger, a phone charger, a notepad, some pencils and some headphones. Right. That's my work kit. Modern day office. Yeah. Now, obviously I have to put that in something. And here was my dilemma. Is it weird to turn up to a funeral with a bag? (laughs) That, That reminds me a lot of once I was once going to a job interview and I was staying at my boyfriend at the time's house the night before and I was going straight from the job interview home. And I said, well, I can't take a bag. And he said, what, you think they're going to go, 
Oh, sorry, we were going to give you the job, but unfortunately you turned up with a bag, so we, we, couldn't, we couldn't give you the job. But I sort of feel the same kind of thing, like you've yeah, come but, to the but funeral. But here's what would have happened. Like the yeah. second you'd left the room, the person interviewing you would have said to the other person, said, that, that bag was, uh, was an interesting choice <laughs> to turn up with that thing, wasn't it? You'd, you'd it was like a bin bag. No, but you'd seem strange to them. Oh, right. So maybe I wouldn't have got the job then. I don't think you would. Actually, well, looking back, I didn't get the job. Well, that's why. <laughs> yes. Turn up mm. with a, a, a knapsack. knapsack. And that, that's the other thing, actually. Like, So, I mean, f- firstly, like the worry is that I, I turn up with this bag and then I feel the need to explain why I've got a bag. Oh, I wanted to get some work done on the train. And then, you think that sounds heartless? Yeah, like you should have been reflecting on the like, train. Oh, yeah. so you uh, you weren't grieving on the train then? <laughs> yeah, you, you weren't. You, you combined weren't it with the work. Yes, yes, yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. That sounds heartless. And then, if I'd have put all my stuff in a rucksack, which I usually do, mm. but wearing a sombre suit and a long mm. coat, yeah, yeah, I'd look like a weird teenager. Yeah. <laughs> So so th- so then just to make it match the suit, I had to take a briefcase. But then right. a, a briefcase looks, A, too businesslike. And then secondly, in context of my family up north, it's like, who does he think he is with a briefcase? <laughs> oh, I really do see your dilemma. It's this is difficult. extremely tough. So what did you do? Hid it in the bushes. <laughs> Outside the uh, crematorium. The only answer. Mm. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, what I ended up doing was um, my brother was also at the funeral. So kind of made a plan to, I I texted him and said, can I put my bag in the boot of your car? Oh, perfect, perfect. There you go. Well, it wasn't perfect because we turned up a few minutes, uh, you know, a few minutes apart from each other. And then he'd already Mm. parked anyway. So I still ended up turning up at a funeral with a briefcase, which I then had to go Uh and dispose Mm. of. Mm. We should have arranged a rendezvous. You should have done, yeah. I've told you um, about when I was uh, when I was drinking, and I think this does go somewhere to show him the extent of my alcohol problem. We'd go out on these. I was working in radio; it was my early twenties, and record companies would take us out for dinner and then to see a band. And mm-hmm. it was just a joy for me because it was free food and drink. I'd often get free T-shirts of bands. I was clothed, fed. And uh, and supplied with alcohol by record companies, and we'd go out for dinner, and then it'd be time to go to the gig. So everybody would have to sort of up sticks and, and leave. And if there was wine left on the table, I'd get it, I'd Jimmy the Cork back in, and then oh. I'd, I'd hide it outside the venue because you can't go into a venue with a bottle of wine. Oh. I'd like hide it in a bin or somewhere, oh, no. or a crack in a wall. <laughs> That's a real low point. Yeah. I might have done that at a wedding once, though. I have to admit. <laughs> Um, it's, here's another thing I've noticed having been to too many funerals recently people, everybody says if you, if you see a cousin or someone you've not seen for a long time the first thing out of your mouth is oh it's lovely to see you and then mm-hmm. everybody then has to follow that up straight away with I mean, under under the circumstances yeah, yeah, that line is designed for that scenario yeah, I mean can't can't we just can't the under the circumstances just be implied by the fact that we're at a funeral yeah yeah you should go with that saying really yeah, yeah lovely to see you or maybe this should be a hand gesture or a wink i do i do this face mm, like that like look <laughs> look at mm, that's the noise mm, mm. that's good that's a bit too carry on but you know you know what i'm trying to get at i do you? i do and then then after the funeral 
I was on the train station waiting to come back and um, I'm wearing my black tie. And I think, oh, I just look too much like I've been to a funeral here. Mm, mm. But then having to take my tie off on a train station, I look like somebody in a film who's just got in from a hard day at the office. (laughs) (laughs) Undo your top button. (laughs) It's very difficult. It's very difficult to do. Um, So anyway, that's why the podcast is late today. Um, Oh, how are you, by the way? uh, last, Last week you were self-isolating and that has gone on longer because we're, we're remote again in, in case you can't tell uh, that's gone on longer because other members of your household then tested positive so how how has that all been going oh it's just great yeah it's brilliant <laughs> i think the best thing to do is don't all get it at once really spread it out so that you're stuck indoors for much much longer when you've got small children because that's what we did so rudy got it first and then tom and then me yeah, Have you I've all turned on each other yet? Massively, yeah, massively. Are you all still, everyone's still alive? Uh, <laughs> just about, yeah. There's not been any sort of ritual, you and Rudy haven't ritualistically killed Tom. No, but it's all very feral. And eaten him. Yeah, not yet. Have you watched Yellow Jackets yet? No, but I've recorded it. I told Annabelle about this. Mm. It's this TV show that Sarah, we, we just finished it, Sarah became obsessed I liked it, but I can't unreservedly recommend it because it is so gory. It's, okay. it's I'd say it's really good, but perhaps not top tier, but it's a very original idea and it's very gory. Um, and, and if those things appeal to you, you're going to think it's fantastic. Um, it's about a an American high school girls football team, football in the British sense, as in soccer, they call it over there, who... Um, fly off to take part in some tournament the plane crashes in the middle of nowhere there's there's carnage and these teenage girls have to survive out in the middle of nowhere and it gets very dark yep. very quickly and uh, you you see that happening then you then you meet the survivors in the present day too and you kind of see how the dark things, the dark secrets that bind them together, that happened out there in the wilds, affect them in the present, or come back to haunt them in the present day. I think that's a, f- a fair description of it. Um, but it is like really, really horribly gory. Um, it's got Juliette Lewis in it and Christina Ricci, mm-hmm. who I ha- I have such a crush on her in this show and she sort of plays this awful character in 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 a way i don't know if she's meant to be in fact i'm pretty sure she's not meant to be likable um and i don't know if i'm just seeing christina ricci past the character and even making her look and behave in such a terrible way isn't enough to to dim whatever that crush is or if there's something sick about me have you always had a crush on her? No, and I'll tell you. Tell well, you, there you go. There's something sick about yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You've yeah. answered it. Yeah, yeah, maybe. So, and since she's gone nasty, you're like, oh yeah, nasty's not quite the word. I mean, you have to watch okay. it. She's a very, very okay. strange character. Uh, if anybody has watched it, I, I, I would like to. Um, I'd like to watch a show which is just her character going on dates, which does happen in either the first or second episode, and uh, I, I really enjoyed that. And that, that would be enough okay. for me without any of the ca- cannibalism or, or so on. Um, okay. And that's not a spoiler. That's something they give you straight away, the cannibalism stuff. So Okay. okay. Um, 
there is so Sarah's obsessed by it and she gets really freaked out and scared by it and and it's all she's been thinking about and and there is in this film <laughs> uh, in the show like a recurring it's it's almost like some kind of occult symbol carved into various um surfaces like trees and things that then becomes mm. a motif of the show so when she was out the other night I knew she wasn't coming back till really really late so I got some chalk and I chucked it onto our front doorstep <laughs> Oh, you didn't. <laughs> That's amazing. What was her, what was her reaction? So what I did she it, do? I heard her come in and she went, Jeff, Jeff, that is not funny. Oh, she knew. Yeah, yeah. She knew straight away. Yeah, oh, yeah. That's I'm worried good. about what it then uh, says to any kind of people who work for Amazon or delivery drivers who turn up to deliver <laughs> things. You haven't taken it off yet. <laughs> it's a lot of effort washing chalk off. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Okay, shall we uh, Shall we hear what the Drifters have been writing in with this week? Yes, and you asked in a recent episode about examples of occasions when Drifters have experienced embarrassment in front of maximum numbers of people. Yes. And Richard from Cornwall has answered. Great. He writes, I was in the Navy and back in the mid-1990s, I was working in an organisation in Plymouth called Flag Officer Sea Training. Our role was to train ship's crews so that they would be prepared for war or indeed any other task they might have to face when operational. This facility was not only for British warships, but also for those of other allied countries. My job at the time was to act as the personal staff officer to the Deputy Flag Officer Sea Training. During this period, we had a large German ship with us and her crew were excelling at their training with it fully expected they would receive an assessment of very good on completion, a pretty rare occurrence. Unfortunately, only a couple of days before finishing, another ship of the class suffered an explosion in a boiler that could only be fixed back in Germany. In case this was a class-wide problem and due to the potential danger to the crew, the training of the ship with us was immediately halted and she was towed back to Germany with as few crew on board as possible. As they'd been doing so well, before they departed for home by air, our deputy flag officer, my boss, wanted to address the German crew to congratulate them on their performance, so it was arranged that they would parade on the dockside. In normal circumstances, this senior officer would have been taken from my headquarters to the jetty in a very smart staff car, but for some reason this did not arrive. So we were due at the ship imminently and we didn't want to be late. I had to get Sandra, one of the HQ reception staff, to drive us down in a fairly basic Ford Escort. The deputy flag officer duly addressed the German crew. He then returned to the car and I opened the rear door for him to get in. Unfortunately, before I could walk around to the other side and get in for our return to the HQ, Sandra drove off, leaving me stranded in front of 600 bemused German (laughs) sailors. I tried to look as nonchalant as possible in the hope that the German crew would think this was an everyday occurrence. And I was meant to have stayed on the jetty, but their hoots of laughter indicated that I had not got away with it. 600 who wants to be that oh Very that's good. really good that's really good <laughs> yeah and also i think most of us in that situation would feel the compulsion to do some kind of like pantomime shrug laughing it off face <laughs> but i'm guessing that if you're in the navy and there are protocols and ways you hold yourself where yeah. you wouldn't be able to do that you'd have to stay composed no nope. style well, it out that's yeah. wonderful that's really wonderful and it is yeah this is from izzy 
It happened a few weeks ago that I went to go and get my COVID booster jab. I booked it in for the morning and we were meeting my in-laws for breakfast afterwards. When I arrived, there was a huge queue and everything was moving very quickly and efficiently. I thought I'd best not hold the queue up, so I tried to prepare myself to be in and out as quickly as possible by removing my coat and making sure my arm was easily accessible. I started to remove my coat in the queue, but then, disaster, my zip got stuck halfway down. As I'd pulled my zip down to remove my coat, the material bunched up and I'd well and truly jammed in the zip fastener. The queue was moving fast. I could feel myself getting hot and sweaty. I tried with all my might to get unstuck before I reached the front of the queue, but it was no use. I got called into the cubicle by one of the assistants and the lovely nurse asked me a few questions, which I answered, all while discreetly trying to get out of my coat. (laughs) Then the dreaded moment came when she asked me to roll up my sleeve. The sleeve of my coat was too piffy for me to roll up and have her access my arm. So I had to come clean and say, sorry, uh, my zip is stuck and I can't get out of my coat. I felt like I'd regressed to childhood. (laughs) She was very lovely about it and said, oh, don't worry, take your time. And I went to the ground to swallow me whole. After what felt like an age, but in reality it was probably only 15 seconds, I gave up and pulled my arm back through the coat and out of the front and rolled up my sleeve. She jabbed me and I left walking back through the queues of people, one, ar- one arm in, one arm out, trapped in the thick winter coat, boiling hot and flustered. <gasps> I then went to meet my partner and my in-laws and had to admit in front of them what had happened. He had to stand in front of me, yanking down my zip like someone dressing a small, <laughs> helpless child. Finally, he freed me from the coat. We went for breakfast, though I was unable to partake in much social interaction as my traumatic morning had gotten the better of me. Oh, that's brilliant. I love that. I, whenever I'm going for any kind of blood test or uh, injection, and this is putting my needle phobia to one side, I, I meticulously mm. plan what I'm going to wear to to make. This. Yes, me too. Yeah, yeah. I I think and I think that's a drifter thing. I bet I you're think right. That most people don't even don't yes. even cross their mind to yeah. have something that's like really easy to like get their arm out of. Yeah, they don't want to like cause any inconvenience <laughs> to anybody. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, send us your story, please. It's hello at adriftpodcast.com. Annabelle. Yes. Let's have another way in which you are not a fully functioning adult. So as mentioned, we've all got COVID. Me, my son Rudy, my partner i'm going with partner lover lover. (laughs) my life partner tom (laughs) now the illness itself been totally fine and that's the important thing that those that we love are okay i do know this but that has not stopped my head going insane with two things first one is this my son goes to a small preschool of about i don't know 20 to 30 children i'm not good at counting and eight staff members The pandemic started here in March 2020. That's nearly two years of pandemic. In all that time, there has not been a single child to bring COVID into the school until mine. I was the one, the hated one. I can't tell you how much it kills me to be that person. Because you know what I'm like. I could easily be described as someone who lives in fear of COVID. Oh, you you are, I I think, there's there's a line in past which I think it crosses into people's underlying issues and anxieties. And you are Mm. the person who has been meticulous without crossing that line. 
I think. Thank you. Okay, I'll take that. Yeah. Yeah. I think sometimes guessing, you've crossed the line, but on average, yeah, over two let, years. Let's be, yeah, let's yeah. be, let's forget about those women. But if I, I think that if I told you that I'd bought a hazmat suit, I'd guess you'd be surprised, but not shocked. Am I right? Yes. <laughs> And when infection levels are high, like I am super careful, so careful. So when that all parent email went round two days into the new term saying child with COVID in the school, I can't tell you how much I wanted to do a reply all with. Firstly, I'm so sorry. Hope your child doesn't get it. Hope you don't get it. But I just want to let you know that I lateral flow test my child so much that I'm worried he'll get an eroded septum and the hospital will assume he's a heavy cocaine user like Daniela Westbrook was. And luckily, this is a good thing because I tested him when he was asymptomatic and caught it really early. So he may not have been infectious. I also make him wear a mask and he's four sometimes. I've never seen anyone younger than 11 in a mask. And I've been given disapproving looks from other people about it. Although the truth is he actually quite likes wearing it because it makes him feel like a grown up. (laughs) And I just feel the need to tell them all of this. But of course I can't. And don't worry, I didn't. But I am really worrying about anyone else in the preschool getting ill. I'm feeling terrible about it. And then it's okay because it's got to day seven and nobody in the entire preschool did get COVID. And I start to relax until that lunchtime when a teacher tested positive. And then in the following days, most of the other teachers got it. And it was all so bad. The whole preschool had to close for at least a week. And now not only am I the mum who brought COVID into the preschool for the first time in 22 months, but I've now closed down the entire place and everyone had to deal with their kids and possibly ill kids all week while trying to work. So I'm now starting to obsess about whether it was Rudy who infected that teacher or someone else. And honestly the insanity of it, like the endless calculations. <laughs> I'm like, well, the unvaccinated teacher who was self-isolating because of contact with Rudy, she's one of the only two without COVID, so maybe that proves it. And the teacher who wasn't in the day that Rudy was, she does have it. And then I'm checking average incubation days. And you know, like in a crime drama, and there's always an investigator with a wall with like maps yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. bits of string linking them all. It's been like that in my own head, like trying to prove my innocence. <laughs> Tom says that I come scurrying up to him at least twice a day with this wild look in my eyes and starting the sentence with, I've just worked out that and some like insane theory about how I'm innocent. If I put this much thought and analysis into, say, a career, I'd be hugely (laughs) successful by now. Anyway, wish me luck in that drop off queue first day back when preschool opens with all the eye burn holes in my back. Although actually, I'm going to send Tom to do it because you know what? Hasn't thought about any of this once. I asked him and he just seemed confused by the suggestion. Doesn't care a bit. What is wrong with him? Unbelievable. What is wrong with him? (laughs) Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. something that I think happened the other day but the more I think about it the more I come to the conclusion you've got that wrong I was on the okay. top I was on the top deck of a bus 
Mm-hmm. Windows open, obviously. Mm-hmm. Keeping that bus ventilated. And uh, we, we went past, at moderate speed, past a building site. And I think I heard this podcast playing on the building site. No. And it seems unlikely, right? It does, but what's your evidence? Do you think you heard your voice? I think I heard our voices. Really? On a yeah. building site? No. Yeah, which, I, I, I don't know why. I, I suppose that's every other building site I've ever been past. I've heard Kiss FM or like Absolute or Virgin or something like that, or Radio I've, 1. I've never heard, I don't think, a building site listening to a podcast. And then, this is the thing, yeah. So, but the reason I thought I'd mention it is my first thought wasn't, oh my God, that's amazing. Somebody likes our podcast. My first thought was, oh God, if that is our podcast, I hope whoever said, let's put this on, isn't being bullied. <laughs> this, this is what blows my mind the most. If it was us, I never in my wildest dreams imagined anyone listening to this in a group. It's always on their own. Yes. I've never even, maybe, maybe with a partner. But generally, it's your own personal shame. Yeah. <laughs> the fact that it might have been listened to by a group and, yeah, oh, the awful thought that someone might have said, let's give this a go, and then they're being bullied for it. Oh, I no. know. I just get in, in my mind, it's somebody's first day and they like this podcast. And to ingratiate themselves to the group, oh, they've no. said, you know, somebody said, oh, do you want to pick something for us to listen to? And they put this on and it's gone down horribly. <laughs> and now they've been ostracised. They've lost their job. Oh, no. I don't know. So I, I keep just trying to tell myself, you, you misheard it. It must have been something else. Yeah. Can't think what. Like, I, don't, I haven't really got one of those typical kind of podcast radio voices. No. <laughs> it's unlikely, but yeah. I wonder what it says about my slash our self-esteem. That is just mm. horrifying to us. Well, I had to say I was quite excited at first and then horrified. Right, right, right. Well, yeah. does that suggest I'm slightly healthier than you? It does, yeah. I got, <laughs> I got straight to, uh, to hor- horrified. <laughs> you skipped the joy. I did. Okay, uh, what else did I have to say about it? So I went to meet my friend Nick this morning. Mm-hmm. And he had a free day and he sent a message saying, are you around? And I said, I am. And he said, I've got a free day, basically. I can meet you anywhere. I can come over to you. Uh, I've got to be somewhere else at half past one. He told me where he needed to be. And I felt obligated, even though I needed to be at home to do this this afternoon, I felt uh, obliged to pick somewhere sort of equidistant between the two of us Mm -hmm. because I think that is the correct behaviour. Yes. Even though he he was going on somewhere else afterwards and my house is just as much neutral ground as the place where I picked, which took me 45 minutes to walk there. Right. I thought, I don't want to be that person that's summoning people for an audience with me at my house. Yeah, I mean, who is that person that feels comfortable with getting someone to do that? I, I'm not that person. Uh, do, do you feel as if you know people who are? Mm, I've met people like that, yeah. <laughs> So um, I, I admire their confidence in many ways, though, of just not caring, of just being like, well, this is convenient for me. I don't know. Sometimes I try and be a bit more like it, but then I just feel crippled with guilt. I um, I used to be close with somebody who believed it was uh, 
it was just nice for people to get to come to their neighbourhood because they lived in a nice neighbourhood. So oh, really? They'd always arrange social, uh, anything social there because oh, they assumed that the inconvenience of having to travel mm. was offset by it being nice where they lived. Okay, well, lots of nice places, but it was also convenient to them, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so, so anyway, we agree to meet at this cafe and I get there a few minutes before he does. I order myself a cup of tea. And the young woman working there says, oh, is, is uh, anything else? And if if they say anything else, what I hear is, oh, so you're just going to order a cup of tea. You, you, you're going to come and sit in our cafe with your <laughs> cup of tea. That's all <laughs> taking up our space. Hmm. So I thought I'd better order something else then because I want them to like me. So I ordered uh, an almond croissant. Mm-hmm. I go and sit down. They bring the tea and the croissant over. And then I realise I put myself in like a, a sort of terrible situation. I should have waited. I'm now in a dilemma because I'm there with my cup of tea and some food. And it, it either looks like I've just made a decision unilaterally to eat without him. Mm. Or it looks like I've arranged to meet a friend, but we're just going to eat at separate times. <laughs> Yeah. So then what I had to do was leave it on the table untouched until he got there. Right. And and then it was this this thing <laughs> sitting there unspoken about mm. raising the question of <laughs> is this for both of us? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Should yeah, I go yeah. and order something? When is he going to eat it? Yeah. <laughs> so eventually he he just kind of half pointed at it with his finger which then he's worried about because it makes it look like he's pointing at my food going want some <laughs> uh so I, I agreed to share it magnanimously okay. i said oh I, I got it and i thought you could have half which isn't true i just wanted to eat it right right but i thought that was the least awkward way out of the, the situation yes so then he goes over to the counter and he orders a cup of tea and i can, it's in the next room but i can hear it and they ask him where he's sitting. He says, oh, I'm just in the back room with my friend, just in case you thought he was a weird loner on his own. And the person <laughs> behind the counter laughs because it's a good bit of banter. Yeah, yeah. And it just got me to thinking, if I'd have attempted that banter, mm. there is no way that person would have laughed. Here's what would have happened. Silence, probably. Mm. Confusion. The person behind the counter saying, oh, I'm sorry. And then me trying to have to explain mm. or I would have tried to have said it and it would have come out jumbled and I got right. my words mixed up oh god and yet for him he was just able to say that off the cuff not worry about how it was landing and he made the person who worked there laugh and he didn't mess it up how how is he doing like how, how is he doing that <laughs> that is if if I see a magician doing sleight of hand or an es escapologist or or anything that takes incredible skill, of a concert violinist, mm. it is as mystifying to me that he is able <laughs> to go and speak to that young woman in the cafe in an easy, uncomplicated way and make her laugh but not be worried about whether he made her laugh. That is as mystifying to me as any of those things. Life is very easy for this man. Very easy. 
What is it though? How can we get it for ourselves? Doesn't we, won't, we we could try and learn it, but I would always mess it up, and they would always look confused and say, "Oh, sorry, do you mean like?" And it would just be embarrassing. What I need is like a bit of banter for every situation committed to memory. But mm. then I'd still mumble it or I'd get a word yes. wrong. Yes, that's the thing. This is the thing. When it's too rehearsed, it always comes out wrong anyway. It's had that ability to have it just on the tip of your tongue just and then ready to go. It's not fair. Naturally, spontaneously. It's not fair. Oh, no. All right, Quandary Corner at the Glap Clinic here in Problematic. Annabelle? From Anon. My sister-in-law is celebrating her 50th birthday next year and has asked all the close family to help do this with her and her family in Florida, her favourite place. Ugh, he adds. The problem is my sister-in-law and family are loaded and we are the opposite. My wife will do anything she's asked though and will happily rack up the debt for us to go. I've said there's no way we can go, but I've been instructed not to say so at the moment. I know we will end up going. And if we could afford it, I'd happily sacrifice a trip to somewhere nice to go. Not that that's an option. Anyway, how can I get out of this and keep everyone happy? My sister-in-law's maybe 49, but she acts like a child when she doesn't get her own way and it affects everyone. Oh, this is difficult. When people ask you to do things that are out of your price range, Mm. it's very awkward. Because you don't necessarily want to say... Yeah, I can't afford that. Yeah, 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 yeah. To get out of it. Yeah, I mean, in a way, I find a situation like that worse if somebody else is going to pay for it or if you can afford it. Because? Because I think as an excuse for not doing something, oh, things are a bit tight at the moment, I don't think we can quite stretch to that. Is a, mm. is really reasonable and uncomplicated. Mm-hmm. I think saying we can afford that, but I only get so much time, and that's not somewhere I'd choose to go. Is yeah. is a really difficult thing to say. Very. That's very. not how I want to spend my free time, and and it, and it's especially difficult then if somebody offers to pay for it. So actually, you're saying the easiest option is for him the truth that they don't yeah. have the budget for it at the moment. Yeah, yeah. because so then actually it sounds he's got like the perfect it, reason. It sounds like what is going to be prompted is her behaving unreasonably, and mm-hmm. unreasonable behaviour is everybody else knows she's behaving unreasonably. Right. So everybody can see that isn't uh, an appropriate way for her to react. If if indeed she does react inappropriately. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. she might just go, oh, I completely understand. What if you can afford it, but you don't want to use up your holiday time doing it? That's hard. That's really hard, I think. I mean, you could lie, but when you do go on holiday, you would have to cover it up. Like you'd have to go undercover. No no social media. You could pretend that you no won. Trace. You, could, you could pretend that you won that holiday in a radio contest. Yes. 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 Have you ever That's met anyone who won idea. a holiday in a radio contest? No. I mean, I've spoken to a lot happen? of them. <laughs> but I don't know anyone in real life, but I know that they exist. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think we've quite sorted out the problem of if somebody offers to pay for you to go somewhere mm. that you'd rather not use up your time going to, that, that you dislike. I don't know what you do in that scenario. But maybe 
that's that's a, a situation in which you decide to be the bigger person and try and get over yourself and just try and enjoy it. Okay. Okay. I don't know. But in other situations, it's perfectly fine to say you can't afford it. We've decided. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Great. Because she'll look like the difficult person if she reacts badly to that. Good. Okay, let's move on to the next one, which is okay. from Charlie. A while ago, my housemate and I were doing our food shopping in the German discount store Lidl, a supermarket known for its inevitable and seemingly never-ending queues at the till. Now, usually this queuing goes past quite quickly, and for the money I save compared to shopping elsewhere, it's an experience I'm happy to partake in. On this occasion, however, we found ourselves behind a man who seemed to be either A, unaware, or B, a bit of a tosser to the queue forming behind him. My housemate and I, and the others behind us, had a basket full of shopping, whereas this this man had only a handful of items in his arms, which he'd refused to place on the conveyor belt. This left us in a sticky situation. And I'm still not sure if we ended up doing the right thing. My solution was, you'll no doubt be surprised to hear, passive aggression. Getting frustrated with the man, I proceeded to place a divider on the conveyor and began loading up my shopping. This, I thought, would surely make him feel uncomfortable and awkward about still holding his food and convince him to finally place it down. To my surprise, he did exactly that. The problem came, however, when he then decided to place down a divider of his own, thus creating an empty gap between our two amounts of shopping and making it seem to those behind us that we were the ones hogging the conveyor. A no man's land. Exactly. So my question to you both is, who was right in this situation? Was I right to passively, aggressively shun our fellow shopper? Or should I have held my ground and not caved in to the peer pressure of the queue? Just, just talk. So she, she, she's. So there's food. Yeah. And then there's a divider. Yes. And then there's nothing. And then there's another divider. And then there's his stuff. That's how I'm envisaging it. But, but what, what could she have done otherwise? Like taken away his divider that he put down. There's nothing you could do. I, to be honest, I think the bigger question here is whose job is it to put the divider down? Yes. That's the that's that, that's what that's what it boils down to in the end. Because should he have put another divider down? Because I, I think it is your job to. If you put some food down, you had to put the divider down, don't you? Well, I, I'll tell you what I worry about doing that is that if mm. I put the divider down, I worry mm. that what I'm saying to the person behind me in the queue is you look untrustworthy. You look like the type of person who would just <laughs> leave your food to mingle with mine in the hope that I <laughs> will then pay for it and then you'll just grab it and run off. I don't want your food mingling with mine. Yeah, you could I, look like I, you're being I, I, a terrible snob. I don't want them to think that I think they're some kind of uh, fraudster trying to get me to pay for their food. That had never occurred to me. I just assumed it was your job to but put think, it down. Yeah, but I think it, I think it is for that reason. Mm. Whereas it does seem like there's something snooty about being the person behind in the queue putting it down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what about people who hold their food and don't put it down? Is that allowed? I don't see that. That's my problem. Oh, okay, okay. Why would why would that be my problem? Because you're not sure when to put yours down or where to put yours down. I find okay, it quite are they, stressful. Are they behind me? Uh, they're in front, aren't they? Oh, oh I it's, see. It's, I think we're going to need a diagram. Okay, okay, okay. Sorry that. I, this this was something I misunderstood here. 
So yeah, the man was in front of them, and he was yeah. holding his stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Hmm. Yeah. Then, then. So I, think I find that would, very yeah. awkward. So then you you would put the thing down. You put the thing down mm. that to say to demark the event of you paying for your shopping in some way. I think I've realised who whose fault it is. It's the person in front of the man holding his shopping because they didn't put the divider down. That's whose fault it is. Right. We definitely need a diagram, don't we? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Should we just decide on one rule? The rule is who's, whose job is it to put the divider down? So... I, th- I think it's yeah. I think it's your your job to put the divider down after you put your shopping down. Good, you put the I divider agree. down and say, "Okay, this this bit's for you, person behind me." Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I think yeah. that you know, the, 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 I, th- I think that's a fairly well established rule. But I think the complication here is if the person in front of you is holding their food, which I do think is their prerogative, but it mm-hmm. also um, creates this very complex situation. What if there is nobody behind you? Do you have to be on? So you, do you? You don't put it down because then that's just annoying for the checkout operator. So you just don't have one down. But do you have to be on high alert for someone coming so you immediately do put it down? If there was nobody else, if it was just me and an empty checkout, I, w- I would never put it down. So I think what, I'm making someone... more work for them. Yes, yes, but then do you have to be on high alert for oh, someone? Oh, I'm on arriving? high alert. Yeah, if anybody comes oh. anywhere near, it's going. You're down. on high alert anyway. Yeah, 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 I'm on high alert. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, but well, I think I didn't understand this problem initially, and I don't mm. think we've answered it at all. Oh right, because <laughs> this isn't about a divider at the back of your shopping; is it about no. a divider at the front of your shopping? And it's about someone holding their shopping. Yeah. Hmm. Because you, you you're dealing with a maverick. You're de- you're, de- you're yeah. dealing with someone who isn't playing by the rules and conventions of society and what do you do yeah, in that yeah. situation yeah his food's got to go down at some point right unless he's going to pass it to the to the cashier they're just going to pass each item over which is yeah. unlikely yeah 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 mm. yeah yeah okay i mean i think you did the right thing because you were in an unclear situation and you wanted to demark your territory and uh okay. yeah draw a line between where his responsibility ended and yours started but, uh, I mean, I think this is one of those black swan events. Does this happen very often, really? <laughs> I'm not saying that it's not worth addressing and having a rule for just in case. Yeah. But, uh, and I, th- I think you did the right thing. So we have a, it, what was the name of the person who sent this in? Charlie. So we have the Charlie precedent set. Oh, love it. Okay. But I think um, it's it's unlikely to arise is my is my feeling but there okay. we go charlie you you have established a behavior for which the rest of us can follow in the unlikely event of this ever <laughs> happening again anywhere in the world at any point in history <laughs> And that was our podcast. Thank you for listening. If you have a quandary for Quandary Corner, why would you send it in after that little uh, that little uh, display of incompetence <laughs> and confusion on our part? Um, but, yeah, give us a go. Or if you have a story for us, it's hello at adriftpodcast.com. Thanks to Man and the Echo for the backing music and for Emily Harrison for the incidental music. Carla Gowlett took our photos. Kim Rainey designed our artwork. And I'll finish this week by saying... 
Sorry, my, my zip is stuck and I can't get it out of my coat. Podication time. This comes from Stephanie, who says, Hello, Jeff and Annabelle. Hello. Hello. I would firstly like to say that I listen to your show weekly. However, also admit that I am certainly not a drifter. I am the daughter of a Greek mother and a pantomime dame father. (laughs) So being a drifter was never in the stars. Oh, wow. I feel that. Somebody like that only exists in novels. That's great. I know. Love it. Um, I would like to dedicate this podcast to my ex-partner, Alex. We parted on the 16th of January, three days before our four-year anniversary. Alex is kind, intelligent, thoughtful, and was the one who introduced me to your podcasters. He himself identifies as a drifter. The parting was neither cruel nor nasty. Our relationship was just no longer meant to be. So I would like to take this opportunity to say thank you for the past years. I have no regrets and will never see the time as wasted. I wish you the happiest future. Very kind regards. You're Stephanie. That's the most dignified thing I've ever had. We've never had a podication of the like, have we? Ever? No, that's really quite remarkable. Mm. I mean... Isn't that the way all relationships should be able to end and yet none of us are capable of that? If only, if only, wow. yes. Wow. I'm very impressed at the two of you. Unless like one of them's like covering a lot up, I don't know. <laughs> I don't mean it. I'm sure you both... You don't think we're being used here, uh... <laughs> do you? There's a lot of spite in her words. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they're covered in sarcasm. No, I think they're probably in the same place and that's lovely. Wow, that's really amazing. You're not watching this thing, Couples Therapy, are you? No. Have you heard about it? No. Oh, it's one of the greatest things that's ever been on. It's on, um, I think you can find it on iPlayer, but it's an American show. It's on Showtime in the States. And it, it's it's exactly that. It's couples across a series. There's maybe four or five couples. <gasps> oh, yes, I've heard of it. Yeah, yeah. And you see them having therapy sessions. Now, if you'd have told me about that, my instant reaction would be, oh, but it's going to be rubbish because any kind of therapist who would agree to have TV cameras in a session Mm. is going to be a bad therapist who's interested in being famous. Mm. And yet they have found somebody who I think is brilliant. She, um, you know, she is an understated analyst who is to, to those couples that she sees, intelligent, perceptive. She listens, but she's... You know, inscrutable is the way that you need to be to be good at that job in a certain way. And it is excellent television. And wasn't there some kind of, not scandal, but people were led to think it was all entirely real and maybe was slightly scripted? I I might might have got that wrong. There was something I read on, that's how I'd heard about it. Recently? They're all actors, don't you know? (laughs) I don't know, I don't know, look it up, look it up. Oh, I I just remember reading something. Oh, this is terrible news. No, no, no. Just look it up yourself. I have no doubt I got it entirely wrong. But what am I supposed to Google there? Oh, I'll do it for you now. <laughs> You're not thinking of okay. something else, are you? No, no, no. no. That's, that's the only reason I know about this thing. You're not thinking of um, EastEnders? 
This is right. terrible news. Couples therapy news. Uh, oh, M- might have dreamt it. <laughs> <laughs> that is the weirdest thing. Nothing. That is weird. I dreamt it. How strange. Okay. I, okay. Good. Sorry. Good. And Apologies to the makers. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and to you. Okay. Mm. It is mm. fantastic television. Oh, I watch it. It's really I feel like good. I should now after I I slandered it. <laughs> and I and I also think maybe if I was in a certain mood and you told me about this, I'd think, oh, I can't be watching that. It's uh, it's it, I don't want to see uh, other people's relationship issues. Mm. But mm. I think you do. Is is what I've come to on that, and I don't want to say okay. too much, but it's really okay. really good. Okay. Maybe if Stephanie and Alex had spent some time watching it, they wouldn't find themselves in the situation they're in. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I actually think Stephanie and Alex didn't didn't need it because they, uh, just going off Stephanie's email, right? They, they, they just handled this in a very mature way, understood that it was what it was for the time it was supposed to be. Yes. And moved on in the most civil and respectful way possible. Mm-hmm. So there we go. Uh, that's the publication. If you would like one, email us hello at adriftpodcast.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.